How are you this morning? Yeah, it is cold out there. I was thinking about that song that we just sang, There's Another in the Fire. And there's kind of an imagery there. If you know the story from the book of Daniel, the three friends of Daniel have been thrown into this fiery furnace for refusing to worship an idol that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they said they would only worship the, the true God, the God who's the creator of the, of the universe. And so they get thrown into this fire. The men who throw them into the fire get consumed by the fire. They die instantly. But the three guys are walking around in the fire. And then it says there's a fourth one in the fire who joins them at some point. And it's the king who notices. He joins them in the fire. There's another scene, though, where uh, there's something that we're going to celebrate this morning as we think about communion, where Jesus is the one who goes first. He's the one who goes to the cross for us And then he asks us this time to follow him. Think of the reversal of that imagery. He walks into the fire to join us. But then he takes on the power of death and conquers it before he ever asks us to face it. We're going to celebrate communion this morning. Hopefully you picked up one of these communion kits on the way in. If you didn't, rush right out real fast and and you can grab one and uh, take part with us. But there, I was thinking about this last night. There are a couple of verses in Luke's version of the Last Supper that have been kind of resonating in my mind as I was thinking about communion today. There's, there's a repetition that Jesus makes. In Luke twenty two nineteen, 19, he says, This is my body, which is for you. And then in verse 20, he comes back after they've broken the bread and they shared that, and now they share the cup. And he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Did you notice the words that are the same in both parts of that as he was distributing the bread, as he's he's distributing the cup? Two words, actually four words. This is at the beginning of what he says, and at the end, for you. This is for you. Now, I don't think that the disciples, as they partook in that Last Supper with Jesus, understood the significance of what the communion celebration would become for the church through the ages. I don't think they had that full understanding yet. But some of them were sitting at the foot of the cross the next day when all of the pieces of what they had seen and heard just a day or so ago earlier were beginning to connect in their minds because Jesus hadn't yet broken his body when they had that ceremony. He hadn't yet shed his blood when they had this ceremony. But then on that day on the cross, he did. And I imagine those words coming back into their minds on that day. This is for you. I want you to think about that for a minute. Because those words still ring out to us today. They are part of why we still celebrate communion 2,000 years later. Yes, it's in faithfulness to a command given. But communion connects us to Jesus because of who he is and what he has done. Communion connects us to all of those early Christians who were in catacombs and homes and on the run and in places where they're in great distress And they would celebrate communion, and those words would come back. 
this, this bread, this is my body, which is for you. This, this cup, which is my covenant, is poured out for you. This is for you. And it's just as much for you and me today as it was for them. Let's pray for a minute. God, as we enter into this part of our worship and we celebrate communion together, our simple prayer is that you will connect us to those who are in that room that day and that you will allow us one more time to experience intimacy with Jesus. Thank you for the clarity of how Jesus made this personal, telling us that this is for us too and that this is part of his redemptive purpose that he reminds us continually that he is the pathway to redemption from sin and death. And he is the pathway to fully living life. We pray these things in your name. Amen. If you peel off the the smaller part of the, the container that has that small piece of wafer or bread in there, take that. I'll give you a few seconds. Jesus said, this is my body. And what were the final words? For you. Let's eat this together. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into the world and taking on human flesh, for knowing this life as it is, with its joys and its trials, and for giving up your life for us. Let's flip that over and we'll take off the other lid. It reveals the cup. He said, this is the blood of my covenant with you. He's made a covenant with you. It's a covenant of grace and mercy. His blood covers our sins. Let's drink this in remembrance of Jesus. Lord, we look forward to the day when all of those who belong to you, all those who put their faith in you, will be gathered around the table for that one massive celebration. You've said it's the next time that you will drink the fruit of the vine. And we long for the day when we will do that with you. And to hear those words, this is for you, and know that we've been included. We pray that you will allow this participation this morning to carry us through the week and be a reminder for us of just how great your love is and how personal your sacrifice was for each of us. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you. Amen. Well, I'd like to welcome you here this morning. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, If you're new to North River and you're in the house today, there's a welcome pack that we have for you out at the welcome desk, which is in the lobby. And if you'd make your way out there after the service, they'll give you a, there's a little booklet in there and some information about our church. We'd, we'd love to have you uh, just take the next step in, in gaining more information about who we are and what we're doing. Let me welcome all of you, those who are here in our, our worship center in, in Pembroke, those of you who are watching online, we're, we're glad that you're with us this morning, wherever you are. Last night I was celebrating with a group of friends in three different states on Zoom who were all part of North River. 
and it was fun to see these old friends and warm faces. And we know that there are some of you who are watching this morning from different places. Some of you who feel shut in and, and you're not able to get out because of the snow and ice or because you're not comfortable uh, entering a larger body yet with all of the chaos that's going on around us. But thank you nonetheless for being a part of North River. I would like to uh, urge you to do one thing this morning. We're going to welcome you like it's 2022, not like it's 2019. So we don't have little cards we're passing around. But if you're new here, I'd like you to take out your phone for a minute. Would you do that? Do you have one? I'm sure that just about everybody does. If you're new, take out a phone. Or if you haven't downloaded the North River app, I'm giving you permission in church to pull out your phone and download the North River app. There's a reason for that. There's a connection card on there, and I'd love for you to fill out that connection card and allow us to begin the conversation with you. And I know that everybody has all of these tools, but you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram, you can find us on our church website, northriverchurch.org, and we'd love to begin the dialogue with you if you'll give us some information on how to do that. Let me walk you through just a few short announcements this morning. Uh, I want to remind you that our VBX, Vacation Bible Experience, is coming up during the February school vacation, February 22 to 24th. Amy Lynch, who's our children's pastor, is going to be leading that effort. And if you would like to have your kids involved in that, get a hold of Amy, amy at northriverchurch.org, or talk to her after the service today. If you'd like to serve in that, and she's always making more and more room for people to do that. Second announcement is the Pembroke Food Pantry that we've been partnering with for years have closed down because they're knocking that building down and they're going to build a new one eventually. So we have recently made connections with the Hanover Food Pantry and there should be uh, something coming up behind me with the suggested donations, but we'd encourage you to do that. Part of uh, our commitment to Jesus is caring for those who are not able to put enough food on the table and this is one way that we do that together. Third, I want to let you know that we have a connecting point meeting that's going on after both services here today over in classroom A, which is the first classroom just beyond the offices. And what is connecting point? It's, it's a short gathering for people who are relatively new to North River. If you haven't met our staff yet, we'd love to introduce you to our staff, tell you a few things that are going on here at the church, and give you a way of, of making that connection and making it more personal. The last announcement that I'd like to uh, offer this morning is that tonight at 6 o'clock there's a Glory of God South Shore prayer gathering that is ho being hosted by New Hope Chapel in Plymouth. It's meeting at Sacred Heart High School in Kingston, 399 Bishops Highway in Kingston. Love for you to join that. If you're comfortable getting in a crowd again, bring your mask, do whatever it takes to feel safe. But there's a, a group of people throughout the pandemic who've been gathering, sometimes online, but most of the time in person every month. And it's, it's a collective group of a number of churches that have been praying together through this time, looking for what God is doing as we rise up out of this time. I'd like to invite you to come and to, to make a, our presence known there tonight as well. We're going to be hosting this gathering at the end of April, so keep that on your calendar as well. Um, that's it for the announcements, but let me move into uh, focus on offering this morning. And I'd like to thank you, first of all, for the way that you give, for your faithfulness in, in all of these things. There's a verse I was reading last night in Luke 21, and, 
And Jesus is with the disciples, and they're standing outside the temple, and they notice the pattern of how people are giving. And there were these collection uh, buckets, so to speak, that were different than ours. They were made out of brass and had a big bell on the front of it, and they could hear the coins as they would enter. And there's this tiny little sound as an elderly woman dropped a couple of coins in. And Jesus is noticing all this with the disciples, and he says, you know how some people make a big show of what they do with giving, but this woman has given more than all the rest because she gave out of her poverty. What was he doing there? He was noticing not so much the amount that people gave, but the attitude of the heart, and he could tell from the sound what was going on with this woman that she had next to nothing, and she gave out of graciousness to God. So God watches the heart. And my urge to you would be, give as the Lord leads you. Give from your heart. Give with feeling. There are a number of ways you can do that. There are people who will have some buckets outside the doors in the lobby at the end of the service. You can do that. Uh, You can give online through our, our website. If you downloaded that North River app, there's a tool there that will lead you through a way that you can, you can give through your phone. You can uh, deal with your bank and do online banking, which seems to be one way that a lot of people uh, give very regularly. It's quick. It's direct. There's no extra cost. But we'd encourage you to give faithfully and give joyfully. And uh, one more thing that I want to say this morning. Uh, one of the things we've been committed to over for a long time here at North River is to developing the gifts of men and women alike throughout our congregation. Yesterday, I got a letter from a lady who's been a part of our church, but probably hasn't been here for two or three years. And she'd gotten up into a Bible study where they were studying the role of women in the church. And she realized, wow, the Bible has a lot to say about the freedoms that women were given. And she said, I never realized what you were doing here at North River. But you've had women in leadership through the whole history of North River. And uh, I'm just realizing that I've been watching the things that I'm now studying. And she was in her 70s, but saying, I'm finally feeling freedom to serve according to my giftedness. Well, this morning, I'm delighted that Amy Lynch, who's our children's ministries pastor, is going to be delivering the message. One of the things we want to be known as is a church that is continuing to develop all of the teachers who God has gifted in our church. And I am really thrilled in the way that you have supported Christy and Amy and some of the others who have uh, been developing that gift right before our eyes and before our ears this morning. So let's pray for Amy right now as um, we get ready for the rest of our service. God, I believe that you've chosen Amy for this moment to finish out this more than series, and I ask that she will sense the leading of your spirit and that you will use all that she's prepared for this morning to deliver to us what you want to tell us. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hi, my name is Lindsay Tolman, and this is Nini. Today we'll be reading Philippians 4, 11 through 13. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Amen. Isn't it great when kids can read scripture? I loved that. Thank you, guys. (laughs) 
Good morning and welcome. It is so good to be able to worship together, whether we're here in person or on the other side of that screen. I'm so thrilled that we get to spend this Sunday morning together. So I have a question for you. You don't need to raise your hands. You don't need to say anything out loud. But just ponder this for a moment. Are you content? I think contentment has a bad reputation these days. More often, when someone asks us if we're content, we think that means we're settling for something less than, that somehow contentment is less than happy, less than joyful, less than sufficient, less than enough. Maybe the problem lies within our definition of happiness and contentment. So let's clear that up right now. The Oxford English Dictionary defines contentment as a state of peaceful happiness, freedom from worry, being at ease with one's situation. Whereas happiness is defined as feeling or showing pleasure, fortunate and convenient, based most accurately on circumstantial happenings that occur outside our bodies, creating an inward state. You see, happiness is a feeling, whereas contentment is an intentional decision. It's a state of being. Feelings change, usually a lot. For example, I might feel grumpy when I'm driving on the highway and someone cuts me off without a blinker, but usually by the time the next song comes on the radio and I'm singing off-key, I'm feeling happy again. <laughs> Contentment, on the other hand, is a little bit different. It's a little more stable, a little more long-lasting. For example, my son came home from college this weekend for a visit. Having both kids home and being able to enjoy a family supper last night was amazing. And even though Alec is leaving this afternoon to head back up to school, it's not going to change how I feel about having him here now. It is deeply satisfying, and I could not ask for more. Contentment isn't influenced solely on external factors. So let me ask you again. Are you content? We're going to come back to this question a few times this morning. This week, we're finishing up our series on more than. The last few weeks, we've been learning about some of the more than statements in the Bible. We started the new year with more than we ask from Ephesians chapter 3, when Paul wrote that God can and often does give us more than we ask. The following week, we heard that there will be more rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents over 99 righteous people from the parables of Luke 15. Then we heard about the parable of the sower and the soils from Luke 8, which talks about the seeds that fall and good soil can grow crop more than a hundred times what was sown, and that the condition of the heart is the key to your life's harvest. And two weeks ago, before the blizzard, we heard how Christians are more than conquerors from Romans chapter 8. We are conquerors over death, persecution, and suffering because we are children of God. Before we pray, I forgot to dismiss the kids. If I see some wiggly faces out there. If you guys want to head down to Kid Zone, they're waiting for you back there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Before we begin this morning, let's open in prayer. Gracious God, thank you for gathering us in your home this morning. Thank you that we are free to worship, whether in person. Thank you for the technology that allows us to be together despite the conditions. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for opening your word for us so that we can learn from you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we'll be looking at what it means to have more than happiness. Have you heard the story about a man who built a beautiful home? There are a few versions of the story, but essentially the anecdote is the same. A man built a beautiful home with every kind of modern convenience, including gorgeous views, and every detail was considered. 
He put up a sign that stated he would give the house to anyone who could prove that they were perfectly content. Eventually, a man showed up who wanted the house. He said that he had everything he could want in life. He had enough money to keep him happy. He had a challenging job, a beautiful wife and a family he adored. He figured he met the stipulations for being perfectly content and therefore he should get the house. To which the builder replied, man, if you are so happy, if you are so content, what do you want with my house? I think that story says a lot about how we view contentment. In a culture that wants more and more, and as a society, we're always trying to keep up with the Joneses, although in our cases, maybe the Kardashians. How do we learn the secret of contentment? Why is contentment such a lost art in today's world? And why is it that even though we have so much, we're always seeking more? It starts with learning. It's a process that doesn't necessarily come easy, and it takes time to fully grasp the lesson. Let's look at Philippians 11 and 12. That was read first a minute ago by Lindsay. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Twice here, Paul uses the word learned. He learned to be content. He learned the secret of being content. So how then do we learn this lesson? We have to learn to accept not having all we want, but rather wanting all that we have. As Paul says in verse 12, he knows how to be content in plenty, and he knows how to be content in want. He says this in response to receiving a financial support for this new church in Philippi. And even though he was grateful for the donation, he had learned the valuable lesson of being satisfied when he had nothing and when he had an abundance. He doesn't say he wants anything. He doesn't say he wants more of anything. All he says is that he's content in every situation, in plenty and in want. Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians while he was in prison. It was damp, it was dark, dirty. Throughout the course of his career as an evangelist, bringing and sharing the good news throughout much of the Roman Empire, he spent a lot of time in prison, beaten and stoned, shipwrecked, not once, not twice, but three times. He hungered, he experienced thirst, he was familiar with cold. I would imagine that his prison was infested with vermin and bugs and human waste. And he was imprisoned several times, but here he found contentment. But Paul was also exposed to the finer things in life. There are several accounts and acts where he was given great honors and given plenty of supplies for his trips. On occasion, he would have enjoyed hospitality of Christians all over the world and dined on the very best that they had to offer. He found contentment there too. He knew what it meant to have plenty and he knew what it meant to have absolutely nothing. But whether his belly was full or if it was empty, he was content because he knew the love of Jesus Christ and he had all that he wanted and that all-consuming fullness of love. When you, know that, when you know that you were loved by God, you can find satisfaction with whatever may come. Paul had a lot to say about this. If you go back just one chapter in Philippians to chapter three, we read that he counts everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Philippians 3.8. When we have little, we despair. We're discontent. We feel bitter and maybe even angry with God for forgetting about us. 
when we have an abundance, we forget about God and rejoice in our own good fortune. Poverty and abundance are polar opposites, but both are equally dangerous. Both poverty and abundance can make us seek after things that are not Jesus. Paul learned this secret. He mastered that lesson. Seeking Jesus and only Jesus and nothing else mattered. So how do we learn this? How do we find contentment? I think it comes down to these three things. Gratitude, obedience, and having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Gratitude to the ones who gives us all we have. Think about this. We live in a time that is filled with more material wealth and abundance than ever before. For many of us, if there is something we want, it's simply a click away and it arrives on our doorstep the next day. It's not intended to be disparaging or insulting, it's just a reality. However, by expressing true gratitude to the one who gives us so much, thanking him for our many blessings means that we're finding contentment with all that we have. And obedience, obedience to the one who directs us. Paul was tasked with spreading the good news. He traveled far and wide to deliver that message. And in doing so, he was imprisoned a few times. But he was obedient. He kept traveling and spreading the word. But sometimes obedience looks a little different. I'm sure most of you are familiar with Mother Teresa, but there's an interesting story that she told. She said that she once heard God tell her to go and serve to the poorest of the poor. She did. She traveled to Calcutta, and she worked with the sick and the homeless. It became her life's work. But she said for years after that, that that closeness with God had evaporated. She, fed, she said she felt no presence of God whatsoever. But she remained obedient, doing what God had once told her to do all those years before, and minister to the poorest of the poor. That's obedience. That's doing what we're commanded and waiting for that next instruction. Certainly in doing God's work, there's contentment. And contentment comes with having a personal relationship with Jesus. I love what it says in 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Belief and reverence for our God, following his laws, worshiping him, knowing that our Savior is real and we can talk to him and spend time with him, that's a personal relationship. And certainly with that comes true contentment. So I'm going to ask you again, are you content? How about we try it this way? What's the one thing separating you from experiencing true contentment? Fill in the blank. I will be more content when I... What does that blank look like for you? Is it a promotion? More money? New Xbox? More Legos? Now, with that answer in mind, think about this. If blank never happens, can I still be content? Why is contentment such a difficult element to achieve? I think it's because we focus on our negative circumstances rather than God's truths. We focus on what we want, not what we have. We think about our greed, not our need. We need to find contentment in our circumstances, not because of our circumstances. And that's why true Christian contentment is more than happiness. Happiness is fleeting, it's momentary, it's circumstantial. What Jesus gives us is so much more. It is finding a fullness when we're empty. It's a fullness in him. It's finding joy when we're experiencing sorrow because joy is found in him. It is finding every need satisfied when our greed wants more. Learning to be content 
and achieving contentment is so hard. Paul perfected it in a prison cell, and not many of us have been in that situation, so not many can learn from that experience. But where does it stop becoming lip service and start becoming practice? Well, like Paul, I think it comes on our knees. Maybe it comes from a place of hardship and tears and struggles. Maybe it comes from our own personal prisons that we put ourselves in. I am a blessed woman. My husband Dave and I have two really awesome boys, but I always wanted more children. When I was a little girl, I imagined I would have a large family with lots of kids. However, due to some underlying medical conditions, Aiden is our youngest, and for a really long time I struggled with that. I would plead with God for another baby, and after years and years of deep longing, I came to the realization that I didn't need any more biological kids. My childhood fantasy was a reality. My house is always filled with kids. The boys are always bringing kids home for dinner or sleepovers. Sometimes they stay for short-term stays, others stay for longer. But practically every day there's someone at my house who is not mine. But I love them like they are. The lesson I learned is that I am blessed beyond belief. I am content when my house is full of rowdy kids who are making noise and eating everything in sight. I am content when Aiden's baseball team knows my name and wants to know what's for dinner tonight. I am content when I come downstairs in the morning and Alex's friends are asleep on the couch or on the floor because they feel safe in our home. But I'm also content in the silence. After everyone has gone and the house is quiet, I'm content because I have what I always wanted. And what I had, what I had wanted for me is so different than what God had planned for me. And it's so much better. I'm content because I have more than happiness. I have more than enough. This is what Paul learned and wrote about in Philippians 4, 18 and 19 when he said, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. We, like Paul did, we have more than enough. We, like Paul did, we can trust God to meet all of our needs. And often, we, like Paul did, can have more than we could have ever imagined. Nobody is perfect, and few of us have everything we want. But be grateful for what you do have. Being grateful for what God does give is how we can start putting into practice our contentment. I love what it says in Hebrews 13.5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Paul was at the lowest of the low. Listen to his words again from verse 13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Imprisoned for sharing the gospel, beaten and bruised, but not broken in spirit. He continued to travel and spread the good news of Christ Jesus. And what did he write to the church at Philippi? that he had been elevated and that he had been humbled. Yet through it all, he never forgot that his strength was given to him by God. That alone was reason to be content. But he didn't stop there. He said, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Because he knew that when he was at the lowest point, his strength came not from within himself, but from the one who gives us strength. Therein lies the crux of the matter. We are commanded to be content because everything comes down to this. Never will he leave us. Never will he forsake us. He is the key to all of it. He is the cause of contentment.
He is the reason for contentment, and he really is all that we need. He is more than enough, and he has given us more than enough. And I know that if we seek him more, we will stop seeking for things that will only give us momentary happiness. If we seek him more, we will find more than happiness. In his abundant love for us, we find more than happiness. So that's my big idea for today. In God's abundance, we find more than happiness. So let me ask you again, are you content? It's probably still a tricky question because most of us would say there are circumstances that we would like to change. Elements that cause us to feel anxious or unhappy. Medical diagnoses that frighten us, perhaps, but can illness affect our salvation? Unsecure financial situations that give us frustration or worry, perhaps, but can bankruptcy take us from our heavenly home? Bullies at school that just won't stop with the teasing, perhaps, but can a bully separate us from the love of Jesus? Maybe the correct answer to ask isn't, are you content? Maybe it's, can you be content? I think the answer is a resounding yes. Absolutely yes, because we can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives us strength. Let's pray. Gracious God, we just thank you for being the source of our contentment, Lord. We thank you for being all that we need in a time where we feel lost and insecure, Lord, that you are bigger than all of those things. Thank you for loving us with an abundant love that we can hold on to at all times. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.